Hi, this is John. And today with me in Knoxville, Tennessee is Justin. We're together and we're recording an episode on a very sensitive topic. And so we're gonna do our best. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say this up front for those of you that have children that might be listening. We try our best to be very tactful and safe, but we are gonna be discussing things like the purity culture, uh, the marriage bed, and how there are certain people who have not been helpful in describing this. And in the end, we wanna take a biblical approach and how is it that we shepherd each other in the church and shepherd our children in our homes as it relates to things like sexuality. Stay tuned. A simple and easy way for you to help support Theocast each month is by shopping at Amazon through the Amazon Smile program. When you make a purchase through Amazon Smile, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to our ministry. To learn how to sign up, just go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed and pastoral perspective. Your hosts today are Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, and I'm John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. But today we are not in our uh, respective homes. Thankfully, we've been or able offices. to, or offices, we have been able to gather. Was homes. <laughs> That's right. We did no used more. to meet in our homes. But no more. No, but no more. God be praised. But we are in Knoxville. And uh, we have been able to get together for the purposes of writing and planning and recording. Yes. And we have found a great place in Old Town. Recommend Old Town Knoxville. Old Town Knoxville, sure. man. Old City. Old City, Old yeah. Old City. It's so cool. We had, uh, had some opportunities to walk. We uh, walked all over downtown last yep. night and this morning. It's been good. So Yeah, it's been good. But just if you're watching on the YouTubes, you notice that I'm doing these strange gestures. I'm not trying to be immature or silly. I'm just excited to be sitting across from John <laughs> to yeah. record an episode. Yeah. It's always fun. So it's good. So we're excited. We get to be in the same room, which means you'll probably hear some echo and the lighting and what all that, but we're just all excited All of it may not be, be so optimal because we're not in a studio setup. That's but. right. Anyways, but. Justin, that's not why they're listening, but we do want to say thank you. Stay tuned. We've got some new content coming out. Uh, but, oh, and one last announcement. If you've not downloaded or subscribed to our newest podcast, which is Everyday Grace. You should. Encourage you to do that. You can go to anywhere you listen to a podcast or you can go watch it on YouTube. And these are clips that we put out every day, Monday through Friday, from my sermons, Justin's sermons, or the podcast. And they're about three minutes. And the purpose of it is just to give you some encouragement, reminders of God's amazing grace. Yeah. And Christ's sufficiency for you. That's right. Justin, important topic today, my friend. Bring us in. Yep. So we live in a day in North America where as is all acknowledged all the time, I mean, many Christian podcasts, many Christian ministers, ministries, et cetera, talk about this on the regular. The morality of our culture is shifting at a rapid rate. And in particular, the morality surrounding human sexuality is shifting at a rapid rate. Mm-hmm. And you and I agree that that's true. Yeah. And sometimes people make comments about the utterly unique situation we find ourselves in relative to the rest of human history. And I understand what people mean. And it is a unique era in terms of maybe the rapidity of the shift within a given culture that is unique. But I think we need to be honest as, and be good historians as we survey the history of the world and as we survey the record of scripture. Human sexuality has always been a thing. And perversion of human sexuality deviant sexual practice has been a thing from the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
how quickly in the book of Genesis after the fall does this stuff show up? Right. You and I were talking about this. I mean, we think of Sodom and Gomorrah. We think of Lot and his daughters. We think of Noah. Judah and Tamar. We think of all of these things that are recorded yeah. in the relatively early, early chapters of yeah. the Bible where uh, issues of human sexuality come to the fore. So clearly this is something that the church needs to be concerned with. And frankly, I go ahead and lead with this, and this is not meant to be punchy in any way. If we are prudish or just avoid the topic of human sexuality, that's not the scripture's fault because the Bible is replete with Mm -hmm. descriptive accounts of these things and imperatives, God's law. God is very clear on what's good for us when it comes to human sexuality. We should talk about these things in the church. That's right. At the same time, you and I, as we survey the landscape, we notice that as we are often prone to do, people with the best of intentions fall off of both sides of a horse. Right. And it ends up being very unhelpful. On the one hand, we have people who maybe in thinking about purity culture and some of the things that have existed, there's not helpful talk about sexuality from a purity standpoint. All that's emphasized is, is purity. And then in a lot of ways, the topic of sexuality is taboo. We don't talk about it in the church because it's distracting, it's potentially harmful. And so we just avoid it and hope it goes well for mm-hmm. people. Not a good approach. No. But then on the other hand, you and I have tremendous concerns. There are people who have t- attempted to directly address the topic, but have done it in a way that often is crass and crude and is also incredibly harmful That's right. for the saints. And so we want to have a conversation today about those opposite errors a little bit, just dialogue about that stuff. And then we want to talk about a better way. That's right. Not that you and I have it all figured out, yeah. but there are things that we can confidently say from scripture, either that are chapter and verse or that are inferred clearly from the biblical witness. So, yeah. Well, this, this is such a tricky subject because you can, you can handle it in such ways that, well, let me put it this way. The reason why it's tricky is that if people's experiences, right? Sure. So even using the word sexuality or the word sex can be such a trigger for people. That's right. You know, we even and there may be some people who have turned this podcast off already. Right. Which, you know, we're trying to be sensitive to that. We, we, we want to encourage and strengthen everyone. So this isn't a, you know, we're not, we're not trying to get, a, we're not trying to be jock shocks and all this kind of stuff yeah. or whatever, however you say it. Shock jocks. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I do want to speak to how it's been mishandled. Uh, scripture is very clear on how we are to use our words and they're to be for the sake of edification and lifting up or for, um, to, for correction, admonishment, admonishment, loving rebuke. Right. And the Bible does have a strong language it uses at times, but it's never uh, crass. It's never inappropriate. It doesn't lack discernment. Right. It it is very direct, breathtakingly. So at points, absolutely. But it is not crude and crass. right? Right. Uh, so we have observed over the years, this is not new. We're not reacting to something that's new. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it continues to be uh, accepted or acceptable, mm-hmm. and it's it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know, I can remember the first time uh, Mark Driscoll, who's kind of known for some of his unique language as a pastor, yeah. when his marriage book came out, it wasn't helpful, and his teaching on marriage wasn't helpful. And this, the, the reason is, is one, it was very shocking mm-hmm. and and that's the effect i think he was going for that that jarring of you know and he 
to his defense, he's trying to respond to the culture that, well, we're just not going to talk, talk about it. Yeah. So he's like, no, we need to make this normal. We need yeah. to make this a, a normal conversation within Christianity. But right. when, when he did it, he did it in such a way that I think he went over to the side where he actually lowered, I think, the sanctity and beauty mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. I, would, I would call it the holiness yeah. of it. Yeah, right. I agree 100%. Yeah. So we're starting effectively on the, the side where we, in looking at attempts to address the subject of sex and human sexuality, pastors and, and ministry leaders, et cetera, have become very crude and crass in the way that they have spoken to things. Mark Driscoll is an example. Another one is Doug Wilson. Right. And we're not trying to be unnecessarily, uh, I don't know, we're not trying to point fingers. We're not trying to burn anybody down. We're just trying to call it what it is. Because we use these two examples because they're well-known. That's right. Driscoll is well-known. Wilson is well-known. They're in different spheres, but both of them are aiming to, we're not going to impugn their motivations. We trust they mean well, but they're aiming to address sexuality, and they cross a line very clearly in my mind of what's appropriate to say. Clearly. I mean, honestly, let alone in the pulpit, but in any situation. Right. I mean, yeah. And I think where it really crosses lines the crude and crass talk is, is one part of it. But then you have these men standing in the place of God to give God's word to his people or writing as ministers, writing as theologians. Uh, and that's the same, thus saith the Lord. Yes, yeah. with authority, right? right. I mean, with, with a platform and you're writing things and you're saying things where you are binding the consciences of human beings in the bedroom. Yeah. That's a problem. And in particular... You and I are very concerned for this. There's a binding of the consciences of women regarding what they need to be doing with and for their husbands Mm -hmm. in a way that is flat out wrong and inappropriate. It's degrading. I agree with you. The sanctity of the marriage bed has been violated by a number of these people who are seeking to, again, I trust do well, but that they're not. I mean, objectively speaking, it's not helpful. Well, and it's hard to even give examples because then you can't. I, I feel it's inappropriate like to say it would be right inappropriate, now. right? So yeah. you know, it, I don't, I don't want, I don't want people to go and look these things. But if you're, if you're, uh, if you're passionate about these particular teachers and you aren't aware of this, then there is a side of me that says, well, maybe you need to do your homework Agreed. because it does trickle down into the areas that they teach about. Sure, uh, but specifically, even going down to you know, back to Doug Wilson and his view. He has said a lot of things about women on his blog yeah. and in, in videos where, and then he even defends his language and basically says that we need to speak harshly out against and directly and plainly about sin. Well, I've seen Paul and Peter and John and Jesus speak plainly yeah. about sin and they never were degrading or demeaning. And they, and never de- I was going to say they never demeaned. That's right. So I think that there's a there's a in particular they never demeaned people in the church. That's right. I mean, Paul would say some things about the circumcision party that are very strong. Right. Right. Because it's a heresy. Right. It's it's a compromising of the gospel mm-hmm. for these people who are saying you need Jesus and circumcision in order to be righteous in the eyes right. of God. He's like, you know, I wish they would emasculate themselves. That's right. I mean, that's very strong language, but it's in defense of the gospel. That kind of language is not used about the saints in the church who are seeking to be faithful right? and are, and are wondering, okay, what has the Lord said about this? That's right. And then you're going to step into that and speak in this crude and crass way and bind consciences where the Bible does not. No. And, and abuse pastoral authority like right. that. Right. I, you know, I, 
my wife and I uh, have done a lot of counseling yeah. over the years. So I've been, I've been doing marriage counseling and pre-marriage counseling for almost 15, 17 years, something like mm -hmm. that. I mean, is when I started first doing, a, so I was a college pastor for almost yeah. 10 years. So yeah. I can't even tell you how many weddings I've done, but in these um, conversations I'm having with people and I'm talking with them, it is interesting to see how much their perspective is clouded either yeah. by culture. Yeah. So there's no sanctity to sexuality. Right. It's kind of like, well, that the Bible's archaic or there's the exact opposite to where, um, I don't, I don't know how to say this other than to say, it's like, really there, there is uh, procreation is kind of the only design mm -hmm. for it. And for, for the glory of God and the enjoyment of the couple is not a part of it. So you have these extremes that are both wrong. And I think one, you know, you have this, you have people who've reacted to the purity culture. And so they're over here saying, well, I don't believe in any of that. And so I'm just going to mm -hmm. sexually live however I want. Right. And then you have it over here to where it's, it's all about the submissive of the woman to the man. Right. And it's all, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it, I don't know how to say this. Then when you say binding the conscience, it's so degrading. It is. So I'll go ahead and say this when it comes to, and people may not like this, that's fine. When it comes to Doug Wilson, I think the things that he says are degrading toward women, they are dishonoring toward women, and they are appropriately defined as misogynistic. That is true. Okay. That word is thrown around a lot. But not only not only him, but those who also write underneath Canon Press. Course, yeah, right. Th you know? That word misogynistic and you know, toxic masculinity, those things are thrown around a lot. Yeah. Doug Wilson is legitimately that. That's true. And the things that are written, as you said, some by other authors under that, under that label. Publishing house, yeah. That publishing house would be the same. When it comes to Driscoll. He is, he's talking about things that people you know, should be doing and ways they should be expressing themselves sexually, you know, within the covenant of marriage and, and the like, and is binding consciences in that way. I think people are attracted to Wilson for one reason. He's conservative. He's conservative. In their, in their view, he is right. against, he is against the cultural shift that is wigging out American evangelicals. Right. He is, whether he would, Acknowledge this or not. I mean, there's a lot of theonomic reconstructionist type stuff. Right. I understand why conservative people are attracted right. because he's pushing back against this egalitarian Correct. movement. So the conservative, exactly. Right. The, the conservatives and, and people who are really worried about the cultural situation and are worried about some squishiness in the church on issues of gender and sexuality, right. et cetera, would Lowering be attracted the to the role Wilson. of a man. Yeah. yeah. Then with respect to Driscoll though, I think his entire ministry, we commented on some of this in a podcast we did a while back where we interacted a little bit with the rise and fall of Morris Hill. Right. Mark Driscoll showed up on the scene on the tales of the, the megachurch movement and the very seeker-sensitive attractional ministry models mm -hmm. where so much of what was going on in the American church was fluffy, yeah. didn't have a lot of substance. It was sentimental. It was all these things. And then you get this dude who's a good communicator, strong leadership persona, and he's saying the quiet part out loud. Like he's addressing things that nobody's been talking to. And you have a lot of young believers who were very disenchanted with their church experience. They were disenchanted with the church as an institution, with Christianity as religion. They thought Jesus was legitimate. Yeah. But they are like, man, why is nobody talking about A, B, or C? And then here, here comes a guy who's going to talk about it all. Well, he bust, he bust open the kind of the, uh, the white labeled perfect 
you know, we're not going to talk about problems, church. And he's Correct. like, no, the world has problems. Let's talk about right. it. Right. And, and so that attracted people. Exactly. So I was, that's what attracted people to Driscoll's ministry yeah. in part is this guy is saying the hard things and he's saying things about stuff that nobody else sense. will touch. And like, this is, a lot of this is true. Mm -hmm. And so it garners a platform, gains a hearing. And he continued to push the envelope. Right. Obviously. And I think like you even acknowledged earlier, sort of culminating with, he said a lot of things in preaching that were very concerning. And then it culminates in a book mm. that he and his wife co-wrote on marriage that- Well, I even remember the- It's not helpful. The whole like masculinity, like recovering masculinity, sure. which I understand what they mean by that is, you know, men need to be men and act like men, but it became more about like the dominance of a man and how the, right. the power of a man. And- it, it kind of, it, it comes this like bro culture thing. Oh, it was totally, you know, you know, it was all about like, if you don't, if you don't eat bacon and shoot things, right. then you're not really and, a man. And, you know, do CrossFit right. whatever. Right. And then, and I appreciate what they're trying to say is like, oh, the culture is, you know, you know, removing masculinity altogether. Sure. And, and, and this is not that podcast, but it's related. No, it's not. And But I understand like what they're trying to recover. I too feel you, you, sure. you and I both are trying to teach men how to be godly and how to yeah. love their wives and how to be leaders in their home. We want that. Because men are not women and women are not men. That's right. And God did not design us to be the same. That's right. Yeah. Right. And when, when uh, two people who love Christ who are blessed and gifted, not only spiritually, but physically in different ways, yeah. come together, yeah. they become one. And That's I right. love how Paul says in Ephesians, says it's a, it's a mystery, yeah. right? It's a mystery. And we want that. So we want men to love their wives with gentleness and meekness and yeah. kindness and, and help their wives to feel protected and loved in all areas of their life, right? Exactly. This includes the bedroom. Uh, so we want the same thing, but I feel like what we did was we went to the other extreme. This is a great example of identifying a problem like uh, this easy believism mm. and then bringing in yeah. a really harsh response, yeah. right? It's not a biblical one. No, the assessment where, yes, yeah. this is wrong. Yeah. But the, the conclusion was it worked. And so we just turned the volume up on it. And right. until you sit back and That's say, right. like J Justin, you and I both have seen on both sides of this, those who are in the Wilson's ministry and those who are in, in Driscoll's, it has caused extreme amount of damage mm -hmm. to the other side. So now you're not you're just causing more damage. You're not actually bringing people right. in un, under the the hope of the gospel right. in those ways. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness: A Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. To maybe put a bow on it and put it in my own words, because I think what you just said was helpful. As people on this side of the spectrum, we're like, we need to address this. That's right. They survey the landscape and they see that what's going on in the church with respect to sexuality, gender, et cetera, is bad. We agree. But the response was wrong, is wrong. And your example of easy believism, which is the bad fruit of revivalism and seeker-sensitive decisionalism, all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. It's the bad fruit of all that, where people just kind of walk aisles and pray prayers, and there's all kinds of like false professions and whatnot. The solution in the minds of many is to just bludgeon people with the law. Yeah. 
you know, to introduce a new law to which we would say, well, you know, there's a better way to respond to that that's biblical. Think Paul Romans 6. He responds with clarity on the gospel and union with Christ. That's right. Not law. We're sort of saying something similar here. That's right. That we agree with the assessment that things were not well, are not well, and something needs to be said, but the ways in which some have gone about it have been less than helpful That's and right. less than good. Let's pivot now, though, to talk about the opposite error. If you're cool, right, you got I do, one. and as an intro into that real quick, I know that at this point we're 15, 18, 20 minutes in, yeah. something like that, and I know there are people who have been greatly impacted by both of these men's ministries. And so, and there's, yeah, right. And what you're probably hearing is that, oh, you guys are misunderstanding them. You don't understand them. And specifically, we don't get this with Driscoll as much as we do with Doug Wilson. Right. Um, you guys aren't really listening. You're misrepresenting them. And I, I say this with humility and, and compassion. J Justin and I have done our homework. I have read and reread and reread many things to make sure that I am not misreading this. Mis and it wasn't like a one one time quote or one instance or one area. Um, it's th this teaching is very clear. His view of marriage and sexuality, specifically Wilson, mm -hmm. he, he has made his position clear. And so our criticisms of this is not a one off con conversation that was maybe slightly recorded from a clip of a sermon. Uh, just so that people hear us is that uh, I'm not trying to just bash because we're going to get views on this. No. This is not what we're trying to do. Well, and we're not going to put, we're not put, trying to, we didn't put names in the title. We're no. not, we're not trying to just get clicks. Yeah. So that, so to help you understand the, the what we're contrasting it with, which is well, I'll hand it back over to you, is that we're, we want to show you what I think the Bible does want us to do and the results of that. Well, we're going to get there. Sorry, I think sorry. Yes. Initially, initially, I want us to talk. So we've talked about the crude, crass, right. binding of consciences where we shouldn't, et cetera. We're now going to pivot to talk about the errors of what we would call purity culture. Yeah, that's right. And what I might even call like sex is taboo yeah. kind of approach, which is what many people in our generation grew up in. Oh, if I you did. were in a yep. conservative-ish church, I mean, I was in a liberal church theologically, but was still morally very conservative, yeah. be a good person kind of stuff. And this is how yeah. sexual, sexuality just was not talked about. Um, oh. It might occasionally come up in some awkward youth group conversation. Right. But even then, I mean, nothing really good was said. So this is a mistake right. that was made where the only things that are said generally to young people especially, and in one sense to all people, is that it's implied that sex is dangerous, sex is perhaps dirty, uh, it's risque, it's something to be avoided, especially for young people, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of marriage, of course, that's true. But that's all that's ever discussed is you need to stay away from this. You just need to not go near it or you're going to get burned. And there's nothing good to see here, you know. And we're going to talk about the fallout of some of that. Or there is a, a hyper obsession with sexual purity. Mm -hmm where it in the minds of many people became the warp and the woof of what it is to be a young person who's a believer. Well, yeah, you know, the, and, the whole purity ring, which I'm right. Listen, I'm not against that stuff. Right. But let, me, let me reword it this way, Justin, the way, the way it is presented is that like the supreme ultimate goal of life is to be pure at marriage. And I'm like, right. no, right. yes, that's a good thing. Yes. But it, there's a, such an arrogance and pride to that. It's like, we're not teaching people just the, the goal is not to just be pure. 
right? Because then it's like, it, that's still, there's a negative side of it because you're still, it's more of that this is really, you've destroyed yourself and this is a really bad thing that this has happened. And if we're going to teach the whole counsel of God, right? And we're going to be faithful to do that, then sexuality there's a there's a positive side. To Absolutely, it. And we're going to get there. Right. I, I think really quickly before we get into, oh, I'm not getting in there because we're itching to yeah. get to the good we'll piece. Get we will. A comment here on the damage of this. I mean, there are there are umpteen you know books. Again, I'm not just trying to throw names out there right. for the sake of throwing names out there, but this is a symptom of a larger systemic problem in evangelicalism. I mean, Joshua Harris, for example, was thrust to prominence at a very young age because he wrote a book about dating and purity. Yeah. Right. That's a problem in evangelicalism that you platform a person who's, he's not an ordained minister. He's very young and he's writing a book about dating. And we now become a phenomenon. Right. Weird. So, but he did a, he did something again. He saw a problem. Sure, he offered a solution. Sure, and it made sense. And a lot of what he said was good. But then there's a lot of it that is that it's like, just whoa, you, that's way overreacting. Sure, and there's a codification of things, yeah. and a, again, a binding of the conscience where I don't think the scripture does. Right, and that's never a good idea. No, for us. So, in the midst of all of that, the, the purity culture stuff, and and even the kind of sex is taboo approach where we just don't discuss it. And we sort of naively or maybe blindly just kind of close our eyes and, and just don't look at it, don't think about it. And we just hope it's going to turn out okay for people. Yeah. And I think you and I pastorally have seen time and time and time again that that approach has borne some really bad fruit for very sweet, sincere, well-meaning people yeah. who then enter into marriage and crash up against the realities of I don't know any other way yeah. to say it than sex inside of marriage. And it's like, uh, we're not quite sure what to do with this. Yeah. And things aren't going well, or uh, there's discomfort, and there's this, there's that, and, and we don't that's know shame. who to go there's to. There's a lot there's, of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. Yeah, that, again, that whole, you know, sex is bad. Stay away from it. Uh, it's, it's dirty. It will ruin you. And then immediately, uh, the, what's the way I've framed it before? That's what we bombard people with. Right. And then all of a sudden, upon saying I do, we need to be able to pivot on a dime and now be prepared to com- completely and freely give of ourselves, our bodies, for the good and the enjoyment of another. Yeah. I need to be prepared to do that when all I've ever been told is that it's bad. That's right. And that I need to avoid it and we shouldn't talk about it. Because if we talk about it, we're just going to cause people to run down the road of temptation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you ever seen good. the movie? You ever seen the movie The Village? Yes. Yeah, it's like they use this. This this is it. They're trying to like keep themselves. If you've never, you know, if you haven't seen it at this point, I apologize, but because you've talked about it a few right. times. Spoiler alert. I mean, the movie's like 15, 20 years old. It is. It's point. very old. But the. The point of it is that they're using fear tactics. So for that person who's like, man, I was going to go see it tonight. Get out of here with that. Come yeah, right. on. Exactly. Right, but the movie proves that what you can't control people that way right. through that, that that type of fear tactics that's, that's right. there. And the I can remember there the, one of the first times I was doing some premarital counseling and we had to have this conversation post their marriage coming back just about like the psychological decompression mm-hmm. that had to happen because yeah. there, there was just so much pain and anxiety yeah. that was going on in, our, in their brains. And 
you know, it really, it shook me. My wife and I would have a lot of conversations on like, how do we care for these people and shepherd Mm -hmm. them? And look, I grew up in that same culture. I remember reading the I Kiss Dating Book yeah. by. I remember I the it. only thing I remember what I remember from my youth was Christianity is about what I didn't do. Of course. It's about abstaining from evil. That's right. And there was no like potential, you know, the potential of what joy and and, and goodness could bring. And I, it was all prohibition. Right. And what's yeah. interesting, like my personality, like if you tell me don't do something, unless I know for sure it's sinful, I'm like, why? Right. You know, well, and that's then how I go, most people. Are. It is so. I also shepherded people who probably would not have enslaved themselves into sin sexually if someone would have sat down and taught yeah. them the joy of it. And right? we're getting there. So it yeah. has both sides. Yeah. Where you think purity culture actually is protecting people, they mm. just lie to you. Yeah, they just pretend. It, it it's like so many happening. other things, man. Like legalism, moralism, the binding of the conscience where the Bible doesn't, neo-nomism, like a new law, all that. What does that do? It breeds hypocrisy. Right. Because what it tells people, because people aren't stupid, and of course we're master manipulators, all of us, right. but it, all it does is reinforce everybody's instincts to just not be honest. Right. And to hide. Well, and the you world's know, and to, over here to advertising the it, right? The world's right. advertising the greatness of what this could be in your life. Well, and, the, and they're advertising the greatness as it pertains to the flesh. Right. And, right. and Gratify and your desires. Right. And Christianity's yeah. response to that is just to throw a big X on it. And I'm like, right. that can't be our response right. because- Or that, just throw a blanket over it and say, oh, that doesn't exist. It's not, right. we don't talk about it. We don't, yeah. Yeah. So- not helpful. I, I'm, I'm going to move us into kind of the third piece of our conversation where we're going to talk about a better way. Now, I'm going to front load this very briefly by saying that we should exercise great levels of discernment in terms of how we talk about this and then even when. There are better and worse times to address this subject matter. And That's a right. lot of what we're talking about right now is not, is not going to be something we would communicate from the pulpit it's not even necessarily something we're going to communicate in public teaching per se, but this is the kind of stuff that we need to be able to talk about with our children right? and that we need to be able to talk about as believers, as saints in the church who are trying to help one another live as we say true things to one another, mm-hmm. as we exhort and encourage, as we admonish and rebuke and correct. That's right. This is the kind of stuff that we need to be able to talk about or we don't have a chance That's right. because the, the flesh is frail and the cravings of the flesh are powerful. Very. You know? And I shouldn't say the flesh is frail. We are frail in terms of just how we can be at times. We're right. so easily derailed. That's right. And the, the desires of the flesh and the cravings of the flesh are very strong at points. And so we need to be able to help people see, as you've alluded to multiple times, how God gave us sexuality, made us male and female on purpose. And he gave us this gift. That's what it is. And like so many other good gifts he gives, it absolutely can be abused, corrupted, perverted, and it has been. Right. And it's incredibly damaging when good gifts are abused. Mm. God is dishonored and we are harmed. That's right. Legitimately. So we need to be very careful. We need to be very thoughtful, but we need to help people see the good and the beauty in it. That's right. And if we talk more honestly and openly about it, I agree with you. Rather than creating this stigma, that word's used too much, but I think this is fair. Rather than creating the stigma around it and rather than creating this like, oh, well, what is that? Because we never talk about it and, and all that. Or rather than talking about it in worldly terms, which I honestly think Wilson and others and Driscoll, I think it's very worldly. I think it's very carnal. It's very primal. You know, it doesn't sound godly. No. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like light. When you know? when Paul describes people 
in the church and marriages, you don't hear this kind of language. Mm-mm. You do not at all. All right, no. so let's talk about a better way. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I love is that the gospel doesn't stop when the doors of the bedroom close. That's right. <laughs> right? That's right. Um, we are liberated from the kingdom of darkness mm-hmm. into the kingdom of light. We are given not only a new heart and a new name, but we're also given a new ethic yeah. and a way in which we treat each other. Yeah. Like I love how Paul says the love of Christ controls us yep. so that yes. we consider others yes. more. When I listen to people talk about intimacy, yeah. it's like your job is to make me feel good. That's your, yep. and, and when it, even when this whole view of between the man and woman, it's like the woman's job is to keep me happy. Right, right. Or the goal of sexual expression is my own personal fulfillment. That's right. Which is very self-centered. Yes. You know, people are like, oh, so oh, we're, we're not supposed to enjoy it. I said, you're missing it. You're missing it. Actually, point. what scripture tells us is that the greatest joy and hope we have in life is yeah. when we are more concerned yep. about caring for the needs of someone else, not just in the bedroom, but in all of, in life. All of life. But it applies here. It does. So when we approach sexual intimacy within the covenant relationship of marriage, man, how different would it be if we all approach that with this perspective that is clearly taught throughout scripture? And it's broad in terms of its application that we are to be outwardly oriented. I mean, in love toward God and love toward neighbor, that to love one's neighbor as yourself is to fulfill the law, right? This is how God tells us we are to be. Yeah. The love of Christ constrains us. Like the exercise, even this is an interjection, but it's applicable. The exercise of our Christian freedom. That's right. What governs it? It's not a code. It's love. That's right. That's what the apostles say. Our love for one another is what governs our exercise of Christian liberty in a general sense. That's right. And Christian freedom in a general sense. Well, how much more so, if if I can say it that way, in the covenant relationship of marriage, this person to whom I have pledged my fidelity, Hmm. my love, my affection, to whom I have given my body, should I not approach this relationship and sexual intimacy with that person with the perspective of, my aim here is to give of myself in my situation for her good. That's right. Or for his good. Yeah. Or for his good, yeah. if, if you're a woman. That's how we ought to think. And Paul says this, your body isn't your own. That's right. It actually belongs to your spouse. And so think in those terms. Right. Well, and there's a lot of freedom when that happens to where, you know, sometimes you, you read books and, I just, I can't go back to the whole Wilson. No, we don't need but, to. But when you read those things, you're thinking to yourself, I don't think scripture's giving us these obligatory Mm-mm. things that are supposed to be happening. Nope. It's like, listen, the marriage bed is sacred. It's yep. between those two individuals yep. and it's for their enjoyment and God's glory. Amen. And to, to even say that, may God be glorified in the way in which we treat each other yes. sexually. It's People are like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, but, but God made, brother, he made us. What ahead. is Paul to say in Ephesians, right? Like the intimacy between a man and a woman is a mystery. Exactly. And it's like the same intimacy that we have, the church between Christ right. this is, a, is a mystery. That means it's, it's for God's glory. Amen. And so yeah, marriage itself and even the union in this way of a man and a woman is the way that it is because Christ was coming to save his bride. That's right. That's important. And so, for example, the Song of Solomon, Yep. Nobody wants to touch it. I'll go and say now, 
I think this whole either or approach to that book is stupid. You know, <laughs> people, is it Christ in the church or is it man and wife? Yes, it's both. It's so clear. Yeah. But like we were talking about earlier. In its immediate context, we do believe that that's yeah. a beautiful picture. And Amen. it's greater yeah. context. Yeah. It, right. right. It is. It's a man and his and his bride, and we should talk about it in those terms. And then we should talk about what a man and his bride is ultimately about and what it points to, right. which is Christ and his bride, the church. Right. And we talk in those terms, and it's helpful. You and I were talking before we hit record about how we want to talk. Like, you are already talking with your children because your right. children are older than mine. How I will be talking with my kids in the near term mm -hmm. as my children will be approaching you know, pre-adolescence and all this we want to be able to talk with our kids about these things in these ways, Good. not just the whole, like, don't do abstain, abstain, yeah. abstain. It's bad. You know, and you, you know, yeah, you're going to be curious. Yeah. You're going to want to do all this stuff, but just, don't, uh -uh, you know, just stay yeah. away rather than saying, yeah, you are going to be thinking these things and feeling these things. You're going to want to express yourself in these ways with a person. That's right. Um, you know, if I'm talking to my sons, you're going to want to express yourself in these ways with a woman or my daughters. You're going to want yeah. to express yourself in these ways with a man. And that's a God-given, normal thing. Yep. And it's actually really good mm -hmm. when we use it the way God says we should. And it's, it is, it's, it honors God. It's for our pleasure. It is for procreation. It's for all of these things. And let's talk about it like this like we would talk about other good things mm, that the Lord great. has given to us, like we caution our kids. I mean, I'm not trying to, we're just pulling out all the stops here. <laughs> but like in my home, my, my wife and I, we, we consume alcohol and we do not hide it from our children. We tell them what it's called. We talk openly about it with them and we let them know that it's not appropriate for them now. It's a good thing that the Lord's given us that we enjoy. And in due time, we'll teach them more about it and how they can responsibly enjoy it. That's right. So that in their minds, they'll never grow up with a stigma around, uh, you know, that, well, that's like that's like dad's juice or something, right. you know, that he doesn't want to talk to me about. Right. So this is not the same, but it's similar in that let's talk openly. It's good. Here's how God has intended us to use it. So talk to me That's about right. the things you're feeling. Talk to me about the things that you're wanting to do. I'm going to talk to you about some things that you need to be aware of and some pitfalls that you could find yourself slipping into that I don't want for you mm -hmm. because I love you. Yeah. And here is the good that God has for you. And let's let's hold If we're going to hold out, let's hold out for that. That's right. Yeah, I wish you know? I had these conversations when I was younger. I, I you know, it, it recently more, in more depth. Yeah, my recently, parents were very faithful in this way and meant to do meant to do good. And yeah, you know, at the same time, I think we all, because of the culture we grew up in, wish that we could have talked more openly yeah. about some of this. So I had a conversation recently with my own son, and what's interesting is I'm going to challenge every parent in here. This is not a one and done. You know, no. they don't need to know the anatomy the and, and the then you work talk, on. And then we're, you know. So what you have to do is it's a constant. Uh, we put it this way. You are way outgunned and way so outdone true. with advertising from the world. The world so is true. pressing in on them and reprogramming their brain every second of every day through music, yep. advertisement, friends. Yep. So I am constant in conversation with my son and it's and, and my wife with our daughters and me with even with our daughters, um, where I'm always talking about the positives and the right. upsides and the, the joy of what's going on. Like recently I, I was talking to my son, I said, you know, you're going to be really having, um, you're going to start having strong mm -hmm. like affections. You're going to be like, wow, I really, like, I think I really appreciate this person. And, right. and I, I just want to be near her. Right. And you're going to yeah, have, a, like, you're going to have physical attraction. You're going to just like yeah. your dad. I think your mom is gorgeous. Right. I like to be around her. And I said, Titus, I like to show myself like uh -huh. a, a physical affection towards your mom because one, 
I want her to know that I really care about her. I said, you're going to want that. And that's good. What I want you to learn how to do is to prepare your heart and your mind to not only do it in a way where you know God's being glorified, because you're going to enjoy it the right way. Let me put it this way. You're actually going to enjoy it versus you fulfilling a temporary satisfaction that leads to guilt and shame. And the shame, the guilt is real, but the shame piece is so significant. And if this is not the point, uh, and maybe we could talk about this a little bit in SR. Right. People will say that when we'll make the statement that no sin is private, Hmm. people will push back and say, well, what if it's just me by myself yeah, you know, my thoughts. Yeah, and my thoughts, and I'm just kind of I'm just kind of toying with yeah. the cravings I have, and it's just me. It's not hurting anybody else. Yeah, you're a fool if you think that. That's right. You are a fool because of this guilt and shame reality, and the ways that you are. Let's use some biblical language. I mean, you are feeding that that monster of your flesh. You know. That's, you mean to tell me you're not going to treat them differently? Exactly. That's significant. <laughs> but then you will, in particular, if you're a believer, even if you're not, because you were made in God's image and his law is written on your heart, your conscience will be wrecked. That's right. You will be riddled with guilt and you will be riddled with shame mm. when it comes to this aspect of your life. So do not for one second think that you can toy with your cravings and your passions by yourself and it will not affect other people. It will. It will. It will. Yeah. I will I will speak into this as well. I think this is why we do have an epidemic in the church when it comes to uh, people struggling with what they watch. You know, it's like, Justin, you and I both have to counsel men and women. And I would say women too, men and women. That's right. It's not a male-only no. issue. And when, when sexuality becomes purely ap- appetite fulfillment, right? Where we are just satisfying the desires of our flesh. Well, that makes it super easy to do that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and well, my spouse isn't doing it for yeah. me. And th- like, this is a whole reprogramming of reprogramming life. Of mine because now it becomes transactional. It's about my gratification. Yeah. And then I end up resenting my spouse because my spouse is not meeting my expectations. That's right. It's just yeah, it's a death spiral. Right. So yeah. I think we should definitely talk more about this in SR. And yeah. um, we've got a lot of things that we can still cover. But yeah. uh, for those of you who keep saying SR, it stands for Simple Reformanda. It's a different a second podcast Justin and I do uh, for those who support us uh, monthly. And we would we just uh, provide some additional content, additional thoughts. I do have some more thoughts about this uh, problem with pornography in the church. And uh, we'll speak to that in our Simple Reformanda. If you'd like to learn more about that and join our community, you can go to theocast.org. We have an app that Justin and I are on. We're going to actually do a live uh, uh, post shot here just to talk a little bit about some stuff. Uh, So it's just fun. It's a fun community that we hang out with. Um, As Justin always says, it's like Facebook, but better. (laughs) And uh, we do have a Facebook group if you want to go join that. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go listen to Everyday Grace as an encouragement. my one request is that you be gracious with each other as we work through these things. I know there's a lot of opinions. I know there's a lot of heated debates. Let's speak the truth in love, being yeah. gentle and kind. Well, and especially when it comes to secondary matters, yeah, we should be very charitable. That's right. All right, we'll see you guys next week.